35. And I want you to rest your eyes on verse 5. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. Now drop down to verse 8. It says, so now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and, the, and Lord to all his house and a ruler throughout all of the land of Egypt. Let us pray. Father, we bless you. We thank you. Thank you for being here today. Thank you that you are the center of our joy. We bless you, O oh God, because you have given us this day to celebrate your presence. And we say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's, that's my song, Sister Lucinda. I got a couple others I've been trying to get you to work on. We're getting there. Amen. 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 I'm not trying to put any pressure on anybody. Amen. 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 We are uh, excited that Evan has relocated, and he's living in the, not yet, the, the friendly confines of uh, Arctic Chicago uh, in his own house. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, some years ago, I got a call that a patient was actively dying in Dover, Delaware. And uh, this patient happened to be in one of the more modern nursing homes right off of Route 13 in Scarlesboro. I think that's what it's called. Um, off right, we come off of Route 1. And uh, when I entered the room, it was clear to me uh, that the person was not long for this world. But what captured my attention was the fact that this woman, though according to her documentation she spoke English, uh, was speaking fluent Spanish. You ask me how I know that, I took five years of Spanish and no little or none to prove that it was worth the teacher's time or mine. Muy, 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 poco, un poco. Yeah, yeah, mm, that was brutal. <laughs> so I get in the room, I see this picture of her on her nightstand, and she was a model, beautiful woman when she was younger. And so I'm preparing uh, to pray for her, to anoint her. And two people come into the room behind me, and they're adults, and they're clearly Hispanic. And I did not know what the relationship was to the patient, but they identified themselves as her children. And uh, as I began to pray, they started sobbing. And the young lady, uh, was so overwhelmed and overtaken by her emotions that she literally passed out on me as I'm praying, and now here we are on the floor, and I'm trying to comfort her and uh, save my back in the name of Jesus. You know what they say, if you fall and it's the Holy Ghost. Well, it didn't hurt. So it was the Holy Spirit. Maybe that's why I'm having back problems. No, but it was. It was. <laughs> so I'm, I'm consoling her and her brother, and, and as things are beginning to calm down, two additional people appear at the door 
but they're not Hispanic, they're actually African American. And so I'm looking at them and her and picture, and it's not all adding up. And then uh, the young man that comes in with the woman uh, who's African American, she says, uh, Mom, would it be okay if I explain to the reverend how all of this came to be? So she said, okay. So I was able to slide away from the young lady, and she was now sitting and, and more calm. And he said to me, the woman that is lying in the bed dying stole my father from my mother. She was his mistress. He met her while she was, he was in the military stationed in Mexico. And he returned with her, but when he brought this woman back and moved her a mile away from his family without them knowing it, she left those two children that were sobbing at the bedside. Now I'm saying Twilight Zone is real. They're at the bedside. She's the mistress. She's dying. The two children that were abandoned are crying uncontrollably, and he's telling me the story. And he said, the reason why the children recognized my mother when we entered the room is because when my mother found out that they had been abandoned in Mexico, she sent for them. And while my father was living with his mistress, my mother was raising her children. And then he says, my father eventually became terminally ill. And the mistress no longer was willing or able to take care of him. And it was my mother who took my father in and cared for him until he breathed his last and died. So I look at sister and I say, well, OK. Is any, of, any or all of this true? And she said, yes. And I said, well, how were you able to raise your husband's mistress children and then take care of him when she wouldn't at the time he needed someone to take care of them, him the most? She said, Jesus. She was able to do what goes against the grain, the chalk hand. This was like, this doesn't happen. She flipped this thing. She said, I hear you. I'm, I'm a Christian too. I got Jesus too, but my mom ain't raised no fool. Now, while that is true that most of us would not have found the grace and the mercy to embrace another man's children, another woman's children, while the husband of your children is with the woman. There are going to be things in our life, and I, 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 in fact, I will suggest that for most of us, there have been experiences in our life that should have destroyed you. There are things that have happened to you that have wounded not just your mind, but wounded your soul. And, and yes, you came to know Jesus, but you still feel the pain when you reflect on those experiences that sometimes were inflicted upon you by the people that should have been protecting you. But I'm here today to talk about the way that we're going to make an impact in, this, in our community as we're trying to be relevant and radical, rebooting. If you don't learn how to flip stuff, if you don't learn how to take what the devil intended for evil and understand that God not only meant it for your good, but it's really all good, you're going to find yourself living a defeated life that 
when, the, when time comes to a close, you will be living, you will find yourself living in regret. When you flip your potential negative experiences, those things that have wounded you deeply, you will be able to say, as David said, he said, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. It was good for me that I went through all that I experienced, as bad as I felt, as much as I wanted it to stop, as horrible as it seemed, and as unfair, David said it was good that I was afflicted. I, he said, I, I, I was able to flip this. And the reason he was able to do it is because he said, through my experiences, I've learned your decrees. And as we turn our attention to Genesis chapter 45, God invites us to watch in real time what is unfolding in the lives of a family that has been torn apart by lies, guilt, and brokenness. The day of reckoning has finally arrived after 15 years of trying to hide skeletons, R. Kelly in the closet, <laughs> that refused to be buried, Guilt, innocent until proven guilty. <laughs> Here we have 12 brothers in the same room after 15 years. Each one of them suffering in silence through their own individual pain. But there's one, one brother out of that 12 who has been wounded the most severely, and his name is Joseph. He was in a position on that day of reckoning not only to issue some pink slips, but to have all of his brothers incarcerated, beaten, and tortured for the remainder of their lives based on the crimes that they perpetrated against him. I'm talking about blood. I'm talking about your family. And so here you have Joseph standing before those who have hurt him deeply. Have you ever been hurt? Amen. Don't, 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 don't. I didn't say who hurt you. I said, have you ever been hurt? <laughs> Amen. So I still am hurt. Amen. Okay, we got an answer for the hurt. There are four words in, uh, that I want you to consider with me as we talk about how to flip, how to go in the opposite direction, how to Give an answer. The Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. Instead of responding in wrath, the Bible says be swift to hear, slow to speak. For the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. How to flip, turn this thing over. If your enemy is hungry, uh, uh, don't walk away. Don't slam the door. Flip this thing. He said give him something to eat. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Uh, uh, don't curse those who curse you, but pray for them and, and bless them. Flip it. The first word that I want you to consider with me, say timing. Secondly, we're going to consider tears, tears. Thirdly, truth, say truth. And finally, say turn. Timing. When somebody does something to you, when you have been legitimately offended, someone has hurt you, intentionally or unintentionally, timing is everything. Listen to uh, what the scripture says regarding time. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, says, uh, the, the word of God says, there's a time for everything and a season for everything under the, under the heavens. There's a time and a season. God has designated a specific window of opportunity 
So there's, there's a specific assignment that God has given regarding what you're going through. And you've you got to operate according to that assignment, but the assignment has a due date, a season. Then David says in Psalm 139, verse 16, he says, uh, uh, he says, you, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. The, the God said, the, the, David said, the hourglass, the granules of sin that have, have been predetermined regarding the length of days that you and I are going to live before we even started this thing called life. God already knew our beginning and end. Timing is everything. You, you, we have a predetermined deadline. We have an appointment. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to, we, we're going to die. But after this, is the we, we have an appointed time. Time is everything. So when you push me in and I'm hurting, you, you got to respond uh, in the season uh, according to the assignment because the, the hourglass is running out. Job said, man is born of a woman, but for a few days. But our time is full of trouble. He says that life is brief. It's short. A couple weeks ago, I was 25 years old. But look what happened after I had a couple meals that I didn't. Look at me now. Man is born of a woman, but for a short time. And the time that we live in, the Bible says, don't be deceived that you will suffer trials and you're going to go through something. And so time is short and trouble is sure. But I'm not going to lose any sleep over it because the days of my life are not on TV, but they're numbered by God. So if he says, fly, I'm flying. If he says, do the train, I'm doing the train because my days are already predetermined by him. Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming. The, the hands on the clock are running out. Time is important. It's essential. When you have been pricked by the Spirit of God, just remember, you can't postpone you cannot delay responding to the Holy Spirit because it could be a disaster. That's why the scripture says, don't allow the sun to go down upon your wrath. Be angry, but sin not. And then it gives a time frame. Don't go to bed angry. We've got marriages that are wrecking out because we didn't respect the fact that timing. Don't go to bed upset, unforgiving, because what happens when we don't respond according to God's timing, the scripture says that we give the devil a foothold. And so some of us have allowed the moon, the sun, the stars, the years, the decades, moving towards the centuries to go down <laughs> on our anger, and we're wounded. We're wounded. The scripture says in Genesis chapter 45, verse 1, then Joseph could no longer control himself. That adjective then is a word, is, is, a, is, a, is a conjunction or an adjective. It, 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 it connotes a, a, a passing of time. It, it, when he could no longer, at, at some point, he had reached a breaking point where he could no longer hold it in where he couldn't hide it anymore, where he couldn't pretend. Somebody said, smiling faces tell lies. I want you to understand that Joseph was a broken man. He was a hurt man, but he was a functional, emotionally, a functional, successful, emotional wreck. And sometimes you don't realize how wrecked you are until the day of reckoning comes. Timing is everything. Joseph was hurting because of the wounds that had been inflicted by his family. The death of his mother at the birth of Benjamin, his 
youngest brother, uh, his mother, Rebecca, while she was giving birth to him, she died. And so prematurely now, Joseph is in a, position, in a position where he's being raised in a blended family situation, and his biological mother is no longer there. That hurt. I was talking to a woman the other day, and she said, my daughter committed suicide at age 20, eight years ago, and I still don't accept that she's dead. I want you to understand that grieving does not have a timeline, but it is important that you understand that time Time is everything. If you allow the grieving to continue, it will continue. And before you know it, you're in depression, you're in the suicidal thoughts. And in this girl's case, at age 20, she decided the best way to deal with her pain was to end it. And so she made a permanent decision to end something that was a temporal problem. She killed herself. And so the death of his mother broke his heart, wounded his spirit. The division in his home caused by his father Jacob, Jacob should have known better. He was married to Rachel, and they were the father, they were the father and mother of twins, Esau and, and, and Jacob, and they, there was division in the home. Uh, the Bible says that Isaac loved Esau, and Rachel loved Jacob, and so they had favorites. And so uh, Joseph grows up in a home now where jo Jacob should have known better, and the scripture says that it was Jacob who made Joseph his favorite son. He made him a coat of many colors, and so now he's a target. Some of us have grown up in homes that were divided, and it's not because it was blended that there were, up, that there were children from different fathers or mothers. We just didn't get along. Sometimes we didn't get along because mom liked this one better because she got better grades. Mom liked that one better because they looked, she looked more like mom than she looked like that. So it was all kinds of silly things that happened in the home, but it wounded us. He was hurt because of the dysfunction that made him a target. His brothers literally hated him. The Bible says they could not say anything kind to him. They, he was misunderstood. He was mistreated. Joseph was also broken because of a deliberate attempt to destroy him. It's one thing when somebody accidentally sticks their feet out and you fall. It's a whole other thing when they decide that they're going to kill you, put you in a pit, strip you of all your clothes, and then when they can't fulfill the, the, the decision to, to actually take you out and somebody has to convince them not to murder you and you're their own brother, they decide to sell you like a piece of property. It cut him to his heart. Joseph needed healing. And the Bible says when he could no longer contain himself, control himself, he came to a breaking point. All you need is the right circumstances. I would never do that. I can't understand why they're so emotional. Why won't they get it together? You just let life continue to happen in your world. And before you know it, just the right amount of situations and circumstances can bring you to a place where you never thought. that you could come to that place with Joseph. The Bible says when he could no longer hold it. He could no longer hold it. I want you to know that Joseph cried. That's all he could do. He cried. He just cried. Some of us don't turn to tears. Some turn to violence. That's how we hide the pain. That's how we show we're tough. That's what men do. Men don't cry. Men don't show that they're hurting. You, you fake it until you make it. And, and so some turn to violence. Others turn to drugs. Some will do anything to get a blessing that they lost. They'll turn to prostitution, turn to homosexuality, all of that in a search to fill a, 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 a wound, to, to, to put a bandage on it. There's something missing, and I'll do whatever I got to do to feel better. The woman in John chapter 4, Jesus met her at the well, Jacob's well, and, and he said, to, would you give me something to drink? And she said, Jews don't drink from Samaritan cups. And he said, well, if you'd ask me for a drink, I would have given you a, 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 the kind of water that would cause you never to thirst again. And she said, I'd like to have some of that water. And so Jesus said, go get your, go get your husband. She said, I ain't married. And he said, you rightly have spoken for you aren't married, but you've been married five times. 
and the man that you're living with is not your husband. And they say, I perceive that you're a prophet. You've gone from preaching to meddling. But I want you to understand what she was what, in her efforts to find love because there was a, a, something missing in her life. She thought she could find it in a man. So she married one. And then when she wasn't satisfied with him, she married him. And by the time she got to the fifth husband, she decided, I'll just have me a man. The interesting thing about that story in John chapter 4 is that Jesus, the, after she, he, he, he revealed himself, he said, I am the Messiah. I am the one who was promised. I am the one that, that, that doesn't matter if you worship on Mount Gerizim or, or Mount Sinai because God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And, and then she, she recognized this is the one. And she went back to the town and she said, she told the men, she said, I met a man who told me everything that I ever did do. And when she said, everything I ever did do, they said, we need to meet this man. I believe that everything that she ever did do included them. And so as they're coming out of the sea, I want you to understand, when you flip this thing, what should have destroyed her, all of the relationships and all of the disappointment and all of the depression, it brought her to a, 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 the well where she ends up encountering Jesus. And Jesus flipped it. She gets saved. And then through her salvation, the testimony wins a whole city. You can flip. I, I want you to know that you can flip all the things that you've ever went through, all the things that you thought you had, you, you couldn't endure. God was doing those things and allowing those things so that one day you could, you could flip the switch. You could flip it. The kind of pain that Joseph was experiencing is not going to be found on an MRI. You won't find this on a CAT scan. It's soul pain. It's the kind that keeps you up all night. It's the kind that takes your appetite away. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I want you to know that Joseph was ready to, be, to receive emotional healing from God, but he wasn't ready until he could not hold it anymore, until he could not control himself. In order for us to get the healing that we need from the brokenness that we are experiencing and the deep woundedness, we have to come to the place where the Bible says he could not control himself. Once we lose control, once we, once we come to the end of ourselves, once we recognize that, the, that what has been done to us, it, it, not only, it, it didn't kill us, but it, it has stifled our growth. It has kept us from seeing God for who he is. It has kept us from walking in joy and victory. He came to that place where it was like, I can't do this anymore. And once he was able to get to that place, it's not even a place you plan to go. It's a circle. He came to that place. And then the Lord steps in. The Lord steps in. I want you to know that, there's, there, that, that timing is everything. When somebody has hurt you, you don't wait until you feel better about it. You don't act like it's all right. When your heart is bleeding from the pain. Listen to what Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 through 26 says. You're familiar with this. He says, he says therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar... And there, you're there. We're in time, real time. You're at the altar. You're getting ready to pray. You're getting ready to give. And you remember that someone has an art against you. He says, stop what you're doing. Seek ye the Lord. while Keep a tender heart towards God by acting on the conviction of the Spirit. When he brings it to your mind, don't postpone this thing. When he could no longer control himself. That's what happens when you yield it to the Spirit. You recognize, I'm at the altar, and I know everybody, I'm supposed to be praying, I'm supposed to be singing, but I'm mad at my wife, and she mad at me. When I look at her, she sees flames, I see flames, and that ain't the Holy Spirit tongues dropping by, by no, that's a, we got to, we got to do something. I, I haven't spoke to this one at church for three and four weeks, and I hope they don't look at me, because then they think I'm supposed to speak to them first. No, they started this, they need to finish it. Why haven't they apologized? No, 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 no. He said, if you recognize that someone, you have hurt somebody, or if you think that you've hurt someone, he said, leave your offering. Timing is everything. 
The flesh says, wait. The Holy Spirit says, do it now. Verse 25 says, settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way. I want you to understand that there's some things that you need to settle, some stuff that you've been, like in this case we're going to see, that you might have either consciously or unintentionally, you've hurt someone and the Spirit of God has revealed that to you, and they're stuck where they are because you haven't left your offer. You're too busy trying to look right rather than be right, and, and they're hurting, and you could release them if you come to the end of yourself, if you get to that place where you can no longer control it. came to the end of himself. Some of us heard of the actor who died of a massive stroke. And of course, when someone dies and they're 52 and they have to have a stroke, we all wonder if that could have been me. And what, what, did, I, what did I miss? What I need to be paying attention? One of the things that was interesting to me is that there's a window of opportunity. If somebody has a stroke, you have a two to three hour window of potential reversal, flipping it, where the person could either fully recover Partial paralysis, permanent paralysis, or even in this guy's case, he died within that two to three hour window of time. I want you to know that there's a spiritual stroke of paralysis that you can experience when someone has offended you, when you're hurting, and, and you're holding it in, you're acting like you got all good. You are, yeah, I'm all right, God is good. All the time, God is good. You're just as mad and angry and frustrated. You want to hurt somebody, but you're smiling and you're going through all the motion. I want you to know there's a window. I don't know if it's two hours, three hours. I do know when the Holy Spirit convicts you that you need to yield. Timing, timing, timing. I didn't say that it's going to work out the, according to your expectations if you approach somebody in love. Uh, Nathan didn't know how David was going to respond. All Nathan knew is that God gave him an assignment. And when God says, move, we, get to, we need to get to stepping. We need to get to moving. We need to get to talking. We need to be walking in obedience. And what God is going to do when I do what he told me to do, he's going to bless me for my obedience. I don't know about your house, but as for me and my my house. Timing is everything. The devil's a liar. He has, we, we are walking around in a world where people are emotionally wrecked. That's why we're on the computer and we, we just don't want to feel anything. We're numb. From the White House to the outhouse, we're wrecked. Timing, timing. Timing. Be obedient to the Lord. In the, in the, in the, when God tells you to do something for somebody, don't, don't delay it. Because the flesh is going to tell you, all, it's going to give you all kinds of reasons why you don't and shouldn't, and they could have, and why not. All kinds of excuses. Tears. Say tears. tears. May be a part of your healing. Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. Guess why? He cried a lot. <laughs> and it wasn't because of the people outside of the house of Israel. This was church folk that were putting the hurting on the prophet. God didn't rebuke him for crying. Tears, there's nothing wrong with crying. The Bible says at least four times in this passage, and the Bible says, and Joseph wept. He wept loudly. He cried so loud and, and hard that his servants heard him, and in the news, they didn't have computers and text messaging. Somebody went over to the Pharaoh's palace and said, your boy's crying. <laughs> now, he's the guy. It's, Joseph was like the person who's responsible for the nuclear bomb because Joseph was supervising as an administrator all of the finances of the entire empire of Egypt. So when Joseph was having a bad day, and so the scripture says that Joseph wept. He fell on his brother's shoulder, crying bitterly. One of the things that's really interesting is that men, we know how to be angry. Mm-hmm. We know how to <laughs> laugh like everybody. You know that, that masculine laugh. <laughs> 
We know how to express passion, especially when the Eagles sign a good free agent or, 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 or we, we, we win the Super Bowl. We understand that. But what we don't understand, that it's okay for a man to cry. And one of the reasons women live longer, they don't have any problem shedding a tear or five. Emotions are, are God-given. Some of the strongest people in the Bible wept. Even Jesus, the shortest verse in the Bible says, Jesus wept. He's telling people at the, the, the death of their child or their husband or wife, 50 years married, don't cry, be strong. Where does it say, don't cry, be strong? I, I've already told my family, if I'm dead and everybody's sitting around looking like they dead, ain't nobody crying, I'm going to wake up from my dead state, I'm going to slap everybody with a with, with rigor mortis slap. They're going to be cry when Benson dies. The Bible says we do mourn. We do grieve, but not as those who are lacking hope. Now, I want a celebration. I want folk dancing. I want some good singing, and I want some folk talking about how good God is. I want CDs to be passed out of some of my sermons that I didn't mess up on. I want people to hear about Jesus. Emotions are God-given. Emotions are not indicators of weakness or, or weakness or, or strength. We get that messed up in the church. Boy, that's a spiritual brother. He didn't just knock the dog out, <laughs> drug his wife by her hair to get her to the car, and then came to church and sat, was slain in the spirit. That doesn't make you spiritual because you're emotional. Yeah. Well, he must be spiritual. Listen how loud he prays. Uh, God's not deaf. You can whisper. It's not the volume or the length. <laughs> Amen. I think we can put God to sleep. <laughs> so then you just got finished praying that prayer about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> the key thing about feelings are that God expects us to live with them, not by them. Amen. What you're feeling is real, but that doesn't mean it's factual. You may feel a lot of ways about going to work, but the fact is you better get up out that bed and make the biscuits. So feelings and facts. I will affirm your feelings, but I don't have to agree with the facts. Well, if you understood. Now, we're not going to stay on the feeling part because ultimately if we're going to move forward, we got to address the facts here. Well, just, let's just stop. No, we're in the middle of 95. We're not stopping and having no conversation about how you feel. The fact is, if we pull over, if we stay in the middle of the road talking about how you feel until you feel better, we're going to be in heaven <laughs> prematurely. Live with your feelings, not by them. Too many men are controlled by their emotions. Too many men have thrown up their hands. Too many men are not outwardly crying, but they're inwardly crying because they feel unappreciated, disrespected, left out. There's nothing worse than feeling left out and excluded because now you're dealing with me being considered by others, and in my thinking now, I must be less. And when you're feeling that way, that's, that's a woundedness. But the interesting thing about the woundedness is we, are, we attract people who, are, who have the same kind of wounds as we do. Now, here I am. I'm, I'm having, I don't want to say something that could happen. I'm having a shoulder problem, <laughs> a heart attack. So why would I go, with, go to somebody who's having a heart attack at the same time as I am? You need to go to someplace, someone who can help you deal with your heart condition. The Bible says the, the strong should bear the infirmities of the weak. Everybody that you're associating with shouldn't be weak. You need to be around people that are going to help you to move past your past. 
I want you to understand that there's some blessings in tears. The blessings in tears and crying. And there's a difference between, I've said that God is going to wipe away all tears from their eyes and there should be no more crying. Well, there's a difference between tears and crying. I've cried so hard at times when my eyes were literally swollen shut. But I, I, those were tears. No more tears. No more tears left. But I still kept crying. So you can cry without tears. But God, here's, what the, here's what the blessing of, of crying. Joseph is crying. And before he hasn't fully revealed himself to his brothers yet, he's secretly crying and he, he's sobbing and he, he's broken by the fact that, that he's in the room with these guys who hurt him, who thought he was dead and could have cared less. Here's what the Bible says. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. You may, this may be your season of, of, of sowing in tears. You, you find yourself wetting the pillow with your tears as you're thinking about your children or thinking about some of us, thinking about getting older and the decisions that you made and you shouldn't have made and the consequences of that. And sometimes the tears will just roll down your cheeks. And there are times when you think about things that, that, that you thought you were over and here you are, you're crying and they can't, you don't even know why you're crying, but here you, here you are. The Bible says you'll sow in tears but there's going to be a season, a harvest of shouting with joy. Amen. The Bible also says in Psalm 56, verse 8, it says, you have, you have kept count of my tossing when I've cried, when I've hurt, when it's ached, when i felt all alone, when I've been the lowest. You've kept count of my tossing, put my tears in a bottle, and every single one of them are recorded in your book. God keeps attention and a record of his children when we cry. He cares. He cares. God told the prophet Isaiah to go to the house of the king. King Hezekiah said, tell the king to get his house in order. And King Hezekiah heard that he was going to die. Your illness is terminal. You're not going to claim it and name it and get healed. You're dying. The Bible says as the prophet Isaiah was leaving the palace, that Hezekiah got up and he turned his face towards the wall and he began to cry before his heavenly father. And when God saw his child crying, he decided to, revert, to flip it. He sent Isaiah back to the, to the king, Hezekiah. He said, I've heard your cry. Sometimes God's not going to flip it for you because you're too proud to cry. You're too, you're too strong. You, you, I said, but, the, but my strength is perfected in your weaknesses. Sometimes we need to cry out to God over that marriage, over that child, over that job, over that decision. You need to, he'll hear you. He turns back and he says, God has heard your cries. He's going to give you 15 more years. Now, there were some other folk dying on that day, but he gave Hezekiah. I want you to know there's something about the tears of a saint. There's something about a cry that God has to give attention to us. The Bible also says that godly grief produces repentance and leads to salvation without regret in 2 Corinthians. Sometimes we just need to let people cry. They're telling you all this stuff, oh, Peter, and I lied, and I've been doing drugs, and I've been stealing. Okay. And I've been, let them go. The Bible says that godly, that, that, that godly sorrow leads to repentance. Sometimes those tears is God's way of cleansing the person, purging those things out of them. They actually, scientifically, they've demonstrated that crying releases stress. It's like taking the top off of a boiling pot. When you don't take the pressure off the boiling pot, the, 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 what happens is what's on the inside is suppressed. And so what should be coming outside is now suppressed and you become depressed. Thank God for tears. Thank God for tears. One of the amazing things about tears may be necessarily for your healing Joseph didn't plan this. This is something you can't orchestrate this. Give me a couple onions and I'll get my tears going. No, no. I'm talking about like the Bible says, then when he could not control himself anymore, you get to a place where you just, you come to worship. You didn't come here to shout and run, but you get to the end of yourself before you know you're running, you jumping, you shout, and now you're celebrating God because you came to the end of yourself and God steps into that void. There's something about a nursing mother 
She can walk into a room with her 100 children and not even know exactly where her baby is. But when her baby starts craving for food, that mother's breast will begin to milk, lactate. Not only that, when her child, the elder baby, and, and father's like, get me out of here. How did I even walk past this room? All this craziness and insanity. I'm about to lose my mind up in here. And then mom said, wait, 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 that's our baby. How you know? Because a mother knows her child. Just like God says, the righteous cry out, and I hear them, and I, and I, I deliver them out of all of their troubles. The Lord, he is watching over his children, and he knows your cry. And when he recognizes, then maybe you're hungry. Maybe you just need to be held. Maybe you need a breakthrough, whatever it is. When he hears your cry, he'll deliver you out of all of your troubles. Truth is essential. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph. I'm the one <laughs> that you sold into slavery. You're not going to get any healing if you're lying. If you're covering things up. If you're keeping a couple skeletons in the closet. He said, I am Joseph. Notice when he told them the truth in verse 45, uh, chapter 45, verse 2. He says, after he sent all of the Egyptians out, and it was just him and them. Matthew chapter 18 says, go to your brother in private. There's some things that you need to work out with your children, with your family, with your husband, with your wife. You don't need to broadcast it to everybody. Go to them in private. That's what Joseph did. He could have put them on blast. He could have gone on Facebook. Do you know I got the worst family in the world? I understand my father's a bum. He misunderstood me. He's probably somewhere. He didn't do all that. Isn't that what people are doing today? Putting their own family on blast. Until next week, now I got the greatest mother, greatest father, greatest... What, what happened? Notice who needed to tell the truth. It was the person who had been wounded. Don't let somebody come to you and say, are you okay? I'm all right. No, you're not. God said, Cain, why are you angry? He, why are, he wasn't generic. Why is anger in the room? No. Joseph was hurt. He said, I am. I'm here. After everything, I, all that you've been through, I am. I, I can't explain it. I've been in jail. I, I, I've been lied on. I, I, I had workplace abuse. And, oh, I, but I'm here. It's, it's me. So one of the things that needs to happen in terms of the truth, you need to acknowledge that it's you that is in pain. You need to acknowledge, and you need to get the attention of the person who hurt you and say, I'm, it's me. It's me. Now, why did he need to tell his brothers who he was? Because they didn't recognize him, but he recognized them because he didn't look like what he had gone through. When the grace of God is on your life and you're walking in obedience, you're in pain, but you're still walking. You're going to do what God said. I don't know what they're going to do, but I'm going to keep in prison. He served the Lord. In Potiphar's house, he served the Lord. In the palace, he served the Lord. God's hand was still. He did not look like what he had gone through. They didn't recognize him. I know you've gone through, but you don't have to look like what you've gone through. I know it happened to you, but you don't, what, what happened to you doesn't have to have you. He recognized them. I want you to know that some brokenness, when you haven't repented, when you're still holding on to what somebody did to you, and you didn't respond in a timely time, and, 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 and tears, when God allowed that to be a, a way of uh, uh, refreshing and, and relieving yourself, you'll look like what you went through. You go to these family reunions or these uh, 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 high school reunions, you say, dude, 
I thought Methuselah died back in the days of uh, Jesus. Man, I've been under a lot of pressure. He said, well, get from under the pressure. <laughs> Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burdens are light. Come and take of me. And I, I, I will give you rest. The Lord said, I'll give you rest. Now, notice the fact that Joseph shared with his brothers. He said, I am the one that you sold into slavery. And he stopped it right there, exclamation. Here's what happens. When someone does something to us, we want every juicy detail. When did you call? How long did you call? What cologne did you have on? What kind of, you know, what kind of stare did you have at the time? And were you sitting? Were you standing? Were you laughing? Were you did? He didn't give the details. He gave the facts. See, restoration is not about detail. It's about it's about the facts that are needed to move forward for healing. Joseph, it could have, he could have had, he could have pulled out a, 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 a 15 volume set on all of the things that he had suffered at the hands of his wicked brothers. But all he said is that you did sell me into slavery, and the only reason it's relevant now because I'm here. So where do we go from here to get there? How do we get from here to there? I was there, but now I'm here. I should be dead, but I'm here. How do we go forward? 15 years, didn't bring up a single detail. He was in a position, and they were willing to, whatever he had to say would have been true. They were guilty. But God says, I remove your sin as far as the east is from the west, and I cast them, I cast them into the sea of forgetfulness, never, never to be remembered anymore. I'm not saying you don't need the facts. And sometimes the details are necessary. That means you need therapy. That ain't going to happen in this situation. That, that was not, that's not what this called for. Joseph's goal was to be restored, not to be right. We, you want to make it right, not be right. So you're going to focus on the problem, not the feelings. You're going to say, all right, here, I, I said, God, I know you feel, give me a hug, give me a kiss. Let me take the screw out of your head. We go, now, let's, what, what's, what's the problem? Let's look at the problem. And so I'm not attacking the person. That's up. God's going to deal, that, deal with that. Now, turn it over to God. Say, turn it over. <laughs> but now, he says, you do not, therefore, need to grieve or or, or do not be angry or grieve with yourself because you sold me here. Yes, you did. But for God sent me before you to preserve life. That's how you flip this thing. If God be for me, who can effectively stand against me? Greater is, I know I'm up against it, and I know it looks like it's going to go down the wrong, no way I'm coming out, but greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. He can flip this thing. He can flip it. What you meant for evil, God meant it for good. We could have a fight tonight, but I ain't fighting. I'm flipping this thing. Oh, baby, instead of fighting, let's, just, let's pray. Let's talk to Jesus. Uh, I, I, I know you've been swinging before, but I ain't ducking no more. Let me hug. We're going to flip this thing. We're flipping this. I used to run when I got hurt, and, and I'd go into my shell, and I'd isolate myself. The devil would tell me, I don't have to go through this, but I hear the Holy Spirit saying, flip it, flip it, flip it. The reason you can flip it is because God has a plan. 
that you don't fully, you don't understand it. If you did, then the Bible says faith is the substance of things. Hope for it. If you saw it and clearly configured, then you wouldn't need faith. God, David said, I'm glad I'm going through. The afflictions have taught me to depend on God's word. Here you running from problems, running from pain, and God said, I'm trying to use this pain to show you that my grace, my grace, my grace is sufficient. For God sent me before you to preserve a life. God was trying to save a nation. You represent a generation. And the way you're handling your stuff right now, guess what? You're setting up the next generation to be just like you. God has a purpose. He said to preserve life and to save them with great deliverance. There's a purpose for everybody in this room. I don't know what your great deliverance is. I don't know what word that you can speak that nobody else can speak. I don't know about your smile, why it brightens up the room and other folks don't. I don't know about your handshake that does something that somebody else's handshake. But I understand that you were created for a purpose. And so when I understand that the devil is coming against my purpose, I'm going to flip this. No, devil. I'm going to defeat it. God has the power to make it all work for your good and his glory. He says, so now it is that God sent me before you. God, somehow, behind all of this, that caused me to be here. I'm here, but I'm saving a nation. He caused all of the details to line up in such a way that the final thing, that God will place you in a position of honor and favor. He said, I'm the father over Pharaoh's house and all of his servants. And when I speak, the nation moves. I want you to understand that God is trying to elevate you to something. But you got to know how to go through afflictions. You need to not to, to, to wallow in your pain and self-pity, but what you want to do is flip it. That God is up to something. That's why I say count it all joy. Count it all joy. Not because of your trials, but in spite of them. Because trials are working for you. You need to trouble your troubles. Let it work for you. Flip this thing. Joseph had his first son in Egypt. His name was Manasseh. He said, God, the name Manasseh means God has caused me to forget. <laughs> That's what God will do. He'll give you supernatural, supernatural erasable ink, stuff that you couldn't separate from your mind. God will cause you to Forget. Didn't mean it didn't happen. Didn't mean that you don't have the facts about it. It just means when you review it, it doesn't hurt you anymore. It doesn't control you anymore. You have been released. I've gone into the room of patience. One of the things that I'm asking as a, as a minister, as a hospice chaplain, I'm, I'm asking people, I said, say to them, are you in pain? And they say, yes. And I'll say, uh, what's hurting you? And then they'll think about it. And I say, well, on a scale from zero to 10, what is your, what is your rate? How are you rating your pain? He, they said, it's not physical. They say, my dreams are hurt. My hope is hurt. My decisions are hurting me. My opportunities that are now gone there's a hurt that goes deeper than the physical. It's a soul hurt. And then what I'm able to do, I'm able to say that there's a lamp that God will light your path with. There's a lamp that God will give you instruction that will heal your wounded heart. It's the word of God. And then as I'm sharing the word of God about how he said, be anxious for nothing but in all things by prayer and let your request be met. And he said, the peace of God will help you to flip this thing. I hear Job saying, yet he slays me, though I will continue. I'm going to serve him. You can flip this thing. And I find as you're sharing the word of God, as you're applying the word of God to what you are going through when you are in your Joseph situation, the timing is everything. Take the word of God and be obedient to it. 
You may be crying as you go, but keep on going. Tell the truth for the fact's sake so restoration can occur. Turn it over. Somebody say, turn it over. Turn it over. To the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you.